this investment could be your biggest investment you ever make in your life with purchasing your first home or a move up home or whatever. Your, your home is usually the biggest investment you make. Welcome to Loans Elevated, the podcast that brings you the latest industry news, expert interviews, and insightful discussions that will help you stay ahead in this dynamic market. I'm your host, Brock Lassick, and I've spent years in the trenches of the mortgage industry, helping individuals and businesses navigate the complex landscape of real estate financing. I'm your co-host, TJ Heidenreich, and together we'll cover a wide range of topics from business strategies that skyrocket your success to mindset and motivation that fuel your growth. Welcome back to another episode of Loans Elevated. Uh, Today I'm joined with a guest. Hi guys, how's it going? I think this is my second time being on the podcast. Right on. So it's Jesse King. He's a mortgage advisor here on the Elastic team with Loans Elevated. What we want to talk about today is rates are high. So why even buy? Like why is now still a good time to buy despite rates being high? So I take this back to Brock and I's journey. Even just a couple of years ago was kind of when we went down this process of becoming holistic mortgage planners. Simply put, Brock and I found that we were having way more fun in our business when we were talking to people, not only about their loan, but also their financial goals with real estate and how this one purchase would affect them moving forward. Uh, And it boiled down to, we didn't want to be order takers. We don't want to say, hey, what's your credit score? What's your down payment? Uh, Okay, perfect. Here's your uh, interest rate. Have fun house shopping. We want to take more of a holistic approach. I don't want to be McDonald's mortgage. I want to help them come up with a game plan because really this investment could be your biggest investment you ever make in your life with purchasing your first home or a move up home or whatever. Your, your home is usually the biggest investment you make. Because anyone can be just an order taker. You yeah. Want to be better than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We want to provide value and do something that other lenders aren't doing. So that's how we came up with optimize, maximize, mitigate. So optimizing leverage while mitigating risk in order to maximize your wealth. And let's dive a little bit into that on why you should buy right now, despite rates being high. Uh, There's one strategy that we use ourselves and a lot of our clients to number one, obtain the dream home or number two, acquire a portfolio of real estate. So Jess, you want to dive into that? Yeah. So people tend to to go down two different paths Mm -hmm. on how they want to, I guess, go about their real estate lives in a Mm -hmm. sense. Whether they want to, like you said, acquire a dream home or acquire a portfolio of real estate. It really starts off with the first purchase that you make, the first mm-hmm. home you buy. And for those that are listening, we'll paint the picture with numbers. Uh, and then for those that are watching, we'll put some graphics on the screen that we can follow along with the numbers we're putting down. For sure. So we'll start off with a $600,000 purchase price. You put 5% down, that's the minimum you have to put down. Um, unless you're a first-time home, home buyer, but that's not what we're talking about right now. So 5% down on 600000 is $30,000. After five years, you're going to sell that property. You are netting $175,000 of net proceeds. And we are using a 40-year average of yep. appreciation. Uh-huh. Yep. Which is so we're staying really conservative. Yeah. It's like 4, 5%? Uh, it's like 4 and, four and some change. So using that appreciation t- uh, figure, uh, you're netting $175,000 of net proceeds. This number could vary depending on your certain situation. But for you know, example's sake, paying off $60,000 of debt, and that frees up about $1,300 a month. In monthly obligations? Yeah, monthly obligations. That's what I was looking for. Again, that number could vary depending on auto loans, credit cards, that type of thing. You take the remaining equity you have, invest that into the new home. So about $100,000 covers a down payment and fees on a $900,000 home. At that point, your new payment, this is kind of crazy, your new payment with the more expensive home is equal to or less than it is old nuts. payment plus all the debt you just paid off. It's crazy. Well, it goes to show reason why that is because number one, if it's auto loans you're paying off, maybe it is a cheaper interest rate, but it's amortized over a shorter period of time. 
So the monthly payments are bigger. Exactly. Especially nowadays when interest rates are eight, nine. Exactly. If it's a newer auto loan, it could really be have a huge impact. But then also if you've got revolving debt, their credit cards, I mean, you're talking interest rates that could be 25, 30% 30%, right now. It's it's crazy. So paying that off or having rather than having it more on your house, Mm -hmm. it's going to be way more beneficial. Yeah. So to continue on, five years later, you're still in the same home. You're going to go and sell that home, netting $315,000 of, of proceeds. And you're basically repeating that every two to five years, depending on when you go and retrieve your dream home. So it could be longer than that. It could be shorter than that. It really depends on your own personal goals. Now, to flip the script into, let's say someone wants to get into investments and build a portfolio, buy rent, buy rent is kind of what we call it. Uh, we're going to start off first by purchasing a one to four unit property. And we say one to four unit because recently Fannie Mae with conventional loans changed the down payment requirements for two to four unit property. So duplex, triplex, or uh, fourplex. Now across the board is 5% now, which is huge mm-hmm. because it, it allows people who maybe don't have a significant amount of cash mm-hmm. start invest, investing in real estate. Yeah, for sure. And the crazy thing is we can also use the rental income from the other units to help mm-hmm. qualify for this duplex or for this multi-unit property because four units can sometimes be a million plus you know, mm-hmm. here in the valley. People are like, oh, I can't proof of that, but mm-hmm. you know, using the rental income, you can. Yeah, most definitely. You acquire that property, you live in it for a year while you're saving up for the next down payment. When that time comes, whether it's a year or you know, a year and a half, whatever that timeline looks like for you, um, you go buy a new property, rent out that vacating residence, and again, we can use that rental, rental income to qualify, and you rinse and repeat that process, and at that point, the sky's the limit until you achieve however many investments you want yeah. to. We found with working with home buyers, you either have two scenarios. Either you've got a home buyer that just wants to have a primary residence and they want to keep upgrading until they have that dream house at retirement age or even sooner than that. Or you've got a homeowner that wants to have a portfolio of real estate. So these work for either person and it's really the best way to do it to create generational wealth through real estate. For sure. So let's dive into uh, BYOB. As TJ likes to say, bring your own beer. Bring your own but, beer. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's becoming your own bank. And this yeah. kind of fits in with uh, mitigating risk with one of yeah. the pillars on our, on yeah. our holistic mortgage planning approach. Basically, you're subsidizing um, your monthly payment because payments are higher than what people really want right now because mm-hmm. we're, they've been used to you know, 2 3% rates. Mm-hmm. So becoming your own bank, you're, in a sense, borrowing from yourself by putting less down so you can cover the gap the higher monthly payment. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems counterintuitive because yeah. oftentimes I get clients that come to me like, okay, TJ, I've got all this cash from either the sale of my house or I've saved up for many years. I'm ready to put it all into a house. And I want this monthly payment, a certain monthly payment they're looking for. And with rates to where they're at right now, we run the numbers and I'm like, I give them their monthly payment. They're like, gosh, that's $400 too high. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got a plan to help you subsidize this. And later on, there's going to be potential for refinance, which we'll dive into later in this. But it will get you to that refinance. Maybe it's one year. Maybe it's two years. Maybe it's three years. Maybe we need to plan for five years. But we can curate this custom plan to get you through a certain time period and then refinance later on. To put it in, you know, a numbers perspective, uh, let's say, again, $600,000 house, excuse me. You put 20% down. Your payment is about 2600 bucks. That's just principal and interest because you don't yep. have any mortgage insurance at that point because yep. obviously 20% down. Put 10% down, your payment's about $400 more, including mortgage insurance. But you're, you've got $60,000 of cash sitting in your bank or you know, in your pocket right. in a sense that you can 
use right. to, to cover that $400. So previously, yeah. with 20% down, they have to put down hundred and excuse me, how much were they? $120,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With putting less down, they're only putting 60000 So they've got 60000 sitting in their pocket. Mm-hmm. And do the math right quick that you can cover that sixty or that $400 payment. Um, 60, so what he's doing is he's taking $60,000, dividing that by, by the, the $400. Yep. So that's 150 months that you could fund that extra $400 that you felt uncomfortable with. Divide that by 12. How many years is that? That's 12 and a half years. So by you're going to be, be refinancing or selling his home. Yeah. You know, yeah. Odds are time. you won't even be in that yeah. house or you're definitely refinanced. Yeah. The average client is either refinancing or selling their home every two to seven years. Yeah. Another thing people want to touch on to kind of help lower the, the monthly payment is buy downs. And we're not advising to do really any permanent buy downs right now. Yeah. Permanent, permanent buy downs are tough. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, an interest rate buy down is prepaying your interest to lower your mortgage payment. So you, even if you're driving around, like see if you say, if you see a billboard that's, you think it's a ridiculously low interest rate, you can legally advertise a mm-hmm. buy down buy in, into that rate without having it be on the main print. It's probably in the fine print. Yeah. So with that being said, this is by no means is what this actually is, but say that you're paying $8,000 to buy down your interest rate. And maybe that's only saving you, uh, let's just say 80 bucks a month. So 8,000 divided by 80. Yep. Breaking points, a hundred months. So divided by 12, 12, that's that's eight years. So that means that in order to make back that $8,000 you spent, it would take eight years to Mm -hmm. to break even, which is dumb. Probably. Yeah. It probably doesn't make sense because odds are rates will come down by then and you can take advantage of a refinance. So what could you do with that $8,000 to either one subsidize your payment or two invest in other areas to make more money on your returns? If you do decide to do that and refinance before the eight years is up, you're basically losing money. Exactly. You're basically throwing money out of Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. This dives into maximizing. What I mean by that cash on cash return on investment. So simply put, whether you put down 5% or 50% or a hundred percent on your house, if you buy it in cash, the house is still appreciating based off of the home's worth, not off your initial investment. It actually makes more sense to put less money down. Mm-hmm. To put that into numbers figures, we're, we're using the same $600,000 across the board today. So you buy a $600,000 house using the same average appreciation, about 5%, uh, you're going to be making about $30,000 a year on that $600,000 house. So if you put down $30,000 to buy the home, and then you make $30,000 in the first year, you've got a 100% return on investment. But let's say you put down more money. You put down $120,000. Well, now your return on investment is only 25%. Still, still not a bad return in your first year, yeah. but why not have more ROI if it's available and use the funds elsewhere? Yeah. So the next question is, TJ, where the hell do I put my funds? Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, I've saving up. Yeah, exactly. Or there people are like, well, I don't want to get hit with capital gains if they're selling their house, yeah. but it's like, no, it, per tax code, you, oftentimes you don't, you haven't made enough to even be hit with capital yeah. gains yet. So it doesn't matter. As long as you've lived in that property for two of the last five years, yeah. you're going to be fine. Um, so let's just say, and I'm, I, let me preface, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just a nerd. I, I study this stuff religiously. So let's say you take the excess of the $90,000. If you have the full 120000 you put down the 30K, use the excess $90,000, invest it into the S&P 500. The average rate of re- rate on a return in the S&P 500 since inception, 1957, is about 
11.82%. So let's stay conservative. Say you're only getting a 10.5% return. That means in 30 years down the road, because of compounding interest, you're going to have $2,071,000 sitting in the bank in the S&P 500. Which is insane. It's insane. A lot of people don't realize that just by one decision you make, by putting less down, you could potentially have millions of millions dollars, dollars in the by the time your home is paid off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, let's say that you... Uh, didn't do that. You put all the money into the house. Well, now, 30 years down the road, yeah, you got your house paid for, but you have no money sitting in the in, in any investments unless you have like a 401k or something that you're putting money into on the side that you have to take out of your cash flow every single month. In this case, you per tax code, you could take 5% annually tax-free. Let's say you're taking that, uh, from that $2 million, you're taking about 5% annually. That's going to give you $8,631 per month for retirement income. That's not even touching the principal. Of no, the, that doesn't touch of, the principal. Yeah. It's only touching the interest. So that money is still accruing. It's still compounding in the S&P 500. By the time you pass that on to your kids, there's probably millions more sitting in the bank. And then they then they get to do that. They get to split that. So if you've got two kids, they get to split that in half yeah, of that monthly income. That's 40, like 4,500 bucks. And yeah, and they're never touching, yeah. the, touching their principal. I mean, it's crazy. Oh. I mean, if, it sounds nuts. Um, so that works really well for people who have the time. To they've got the time. They've got a full 30 years of to for compounding interest to really work in their favor. Mm-hmm. Let's say you don't have the time or you want to double down on real estate. Let's take the rest of that money and purchase a home, an investment property, which investment property is uh, going to require at least 20% down. Mm-hmm. So you could purchase a $450,000 house. Same appreciation rate. Over the next 15 years, that home is going to be worth $878,000. <clears> but during that time, you're also paid down the principal. So you only owe about $255,000. So the value deducting the amount owed, you've got about $623,000 of net equity. You could sell that or you could um, do cash out refinance, pull from that, do the exact tap same the thing. Somehow. Exactly. Tap in the equity. Same calculation, 5% per year, tax-free. That's going to give you $2,595 per month in retirement income. Yeah, and I mean, obviously you said if people don't have the time, but personally I would look into the, you know, investing because that, that compound interest is insane. Yeah. It, you know, just going over those two examples. Yeah. How much you have in the stock market versus just in real estate, it's crazy. Yeah, it is gnarly. It is gnarly. So let's cover uh, joint venture. This is what you did personally, right? This is how I, I personally got into real estate. I, I first get into the mortgage game uh, about six, seven years ago. I'm thinking I've made it big. I'm making the big bucks. Seven twenty-five <laughs> an hour. My boss was Brock. So we can give him crap about <laughs> the, the, my wage. Seven twenty-five an hour. Well, we're related. So he's like, all right, yeah. I'm paying you to train. Yep. But anyways, I'm like, all right, I've, I've got potential. I'm going to make it big. I go to my dad. I'm, I'm still in college at the time, too. I'm like, all right, dad, I need your help. He's like, what? I'm going to buy a house. He looks at me, he's like, dude, you're batshit crazy. You're not buying a house. I'm like, no, trust me, dad. This is going to be a a good plan. So I'm like, all I need you to do is co-sign on the house. I need a small down payment of 3%. I also need need you to help me first the house. And trust me, dad, I'll have a room ready for you. You can come down, use this second house whenever you want. And then two to three years later, once we have a good enough equity, my income is up a little bit. I'll refinance, pay you back your equity plus your initial investment, and we'll split the equity 50-50. He agreed to it. We signed a contract, and it really set me up for success later down the road. So if you're a young first-time home buyer, if you've got friends, family, anyone that you'd want to buy a house with that you haven't thought about with, 
pitch it to them as a joint venture that it's an investment for them as well as for yourself. Mm-hmm. So three years down later down the road, we had over $400,000 of equity gained. One of the best investments he's ever made yeah. in his life besides his primary residence and set me up for success. Now I've got multiple millions of dollars of real estate in yeah. my name. I don't say it to brag, but I say it, dude, it's, it's possible. It's, and this was only six, yeah. seven years ago. It's not yeah. like this was just, and it's not a Garrett's quick scheme, no. but it's just the power of real estate and what that can do for you. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you feel that you may not qualify because of income or uh, you need to help with the down payment or you need someone to co-invest with you to help subsidize that monthly payment until you can refinance, use whatever resources you have and pitch it as a joint venture to see what you can do and how far you can go with real estate. Cause it really is powerful. And one thing that's cool too, which we get questions about this a lot is if someone else were to joint venture with you, how does that affect them getting a loan? Oh yeah. It's one of our number of questions. Yeah. Well, after 12 months of you paying, making the payment, we can use your bank statements to show, let's say, you know, if his dad, for example, in this situation mm-hmm. wanted to go get his own loan after 12 months, if you get those bank statements, it's like he doesn't even own the home. Yeah. We, can, we can remove that debt yeah, from exactly. Exactly. reporting for in his obligations. Yeah, no, thank you for clarifying that. And, and people are like, I've had, when I've told that story before, people are like, so how did you make the payment? Because you, you probably had a multiple thousand dollar payment. Or mm-hmm. I mean, my payment was like 1800 bucks at the yeah. time. Like, how did you make that? Well, I bought a four or five bedroom house and I rented out the rest of the rooms to other college kids at the time because I was in college. And was able to make my payment from that. Yeah. And then from there, as my income started to grow, I could just start weeding out roommates. roommates. Yep. And now I've got a second house, a vacation house that is warmer weather than where we live. Mm-hmm. So in the winters, we get a nice getaway and it, I mean, it's super cool. So next question we get, okay, well, why now? Like, what's the state of the market? I'm scared. I'm hearing stuff on the news. Why should I crash? Housing market, <laughs> yeah. we're in a bubble, yeah. weird all. Dude, it, it boils down to a simple... Supply and demand. We have a systemic issue here in Utah that there's just not enough homes being built for the number of people coming to Utah. Um, I would say one in every three loans that we're doing right now is for someone outside of Utah coming into this state. Yeah, especially from I mean, California, Washington, Texas. Yeah, it's Even the East Coast, like Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping someone from Boston yeah. this month that's coming to Utah. I mean, it, it is crazy. Some stats on that. And to be honest, if you aren't in real estate, you should be fearful but not for the reasons that you're thinking. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes people come to me, they're fearful that the market's going to crash as soon as they get in. What they should be fearful of is if they don't get in, what happens? What could happen from the time you have analysis paralysis? You're thinking about it so much, you just don't do anything. Yeah. What is going to happen for that cost of waiting? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got this information from University of Utah, Kempsey Gardner uh, Institute. As of 2022, we are 28 thousand four hundred units short that's likely to increase to almost forty thousand units by 2024 and units being meaning homes for yeah you know. to, to house everyone yeah. that, need, that needs housing um, which is crazy you factor in net immigration people coming to utah that's another ten thousand families per excuse me eleven thousand families yep. per year that are coming to utah that need to buy a house then you've got people coming of age this is your first time home buyers uh, this is the average age of 33 years old that's another 20,000 people, 19,000, but you've got the, yeah. Um, so 19,000 people, then you've got rates coming down. So for every 1% that interest rates come down, that is equivalent to 50,000 people that could now buy that previously could not, or 
that can now move up looking at different tiers of houses that were previously looking at lower tiers of houses. Yeah. With economists thinking rates could potentially come down two, two and a half percent the next couple of years, we're now talking that you've got 100,000 plus people. Over 100,000 people, close to 150,000 people that, that now, you're now competing with for the same number of houses. Which is already low, very low. Yeah, I mean, there's just, we need to build more houses in order to keep up with this, but it's just, this stat's a little dated, it might be a little off, but the most homes we ever built was over 2 million homes in a year mm-hmm. in the U.S. We would have to build over 2 million homes in the state, or in, in the U.S. for over 5 years to even catch up. To today's figures. Yeah. Which... We're already behind. Yeah. So. so the simple supply and demand of this, you're safe from house prices crashing. Now, we're not going to see the crazy appreciation rates of COVID of 20%, no, 20%. Um, yeah. but we could see at least our average yeah. over I mean, the last four years. This year, I think we're, it's projected between 5 and 9%. Yeah, we're, we're seeing still, like a half a percent yeah. of equity every single month. Also, higher rates bring one other thing, negotiating power. Yeah. We hear this a lot. You know what? Like we just said before, people don't want to buy because rates are high. They want to wait until rates are lower to buy. And like I said, every 1% drop brings mm-hmm. in 50,000 you know, people into the buying pool. What people don't realize is that creates an opportunity for those people who are wanting to buy in this difficult market right now is the negotiating power. Mm-hmm. I mean, sellers are willing to... Yeah, you, they'll work with you, yeah. whether it's a price reduction. Yeah, price reduction or offering what's called seller concessions, those you don't know. Basically, money the seller is going to give you to cover closing costs, so it's less money out of your pocket to uh, cover buy-downs, temporary buy-downs, other creative financing options. There's also first-time homebuyer grants that the state offers or that we're offering. We've got mm-hmm. a $4,000 grant. All these are permanent savings that allow you to deal with the higher payments that are right now until there's an opportunity for the refinance. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I it's probably been the best buyer's market I've ever seen in my career. I've talked to Brock. Brock's been in the industry longer than I have been. Mm-hmm. In his over 15-year career, he's like, this is the best buyer's market I've seen yeah. because of the way you can negotiate with sellers. Yeah. I mean... And the fact that lenders lenders have never offered incentives like this before mm-hmm. for a $4,000 grant for first-time home buyers, or for example, if you close with us before the end of the year, we'll pay for your refinance fees for the, when you uh, refinance later on. Because the way we set up your loan is going to be so you're not going to be wasting a lot of fees right yeah. now, setting you up for that refinance later on mm-hmm. to keep you as liquid as possible. Yeah. So there's just there's a lot of options right now uh, with, with negotiating power. And lastly, home prices, mortgage rates, and recessions. How they all correlate. How does it all correlate? Yeah. To be honest with you, mortgage rates, they don't have a direct correlation with with home prices. Mm-hmm. Over the past, I mean, gosh, when you see this graph's going back to 1970, I'm showing here, and we this can pull this up on the on the screen. House prices you see pretty steadily goes up the whole time. Although there's one blip, and that's uh, 2008. That's for a completely different reason. I mean, yeah. uh, that was for fraudulent loans. I mean, you've you lived and breathed, you got a loan. Now it's a little bit longer of a process. You've got to get, there's more checks and balances. We've got to submit documentation to make sure you are pre-approved. Um, but also people talk about, I hear about talks of recession. Is a recession going to hurt the housing market? What does recession actually mean for my house price? Well, in all of the recessions on the screen, house prices are staying flat or going up other than that 2008 recession, which yeah. we spoke about. I think there was a stat uh, over the last 80 years 72 of those years, we've there was positive appreciation. Yeah. Uh, seven of the years was flat, mm-hmm. and one year was negative. And that's obviously um, the start of the you know, housing crisis in 08. Yeah. So think is, of that this way. I'm not much of a gambler, but 
if you are to bet on somebody that had that record, what was it? 72, 72, and one. So I guess it'd be 72 and and one. Yeah. Yeah. But then a seven is a tie, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm betting on a fighter that's won 72 times, had seven ties and only one one loss, loss, like I'm, he's going to win. I'm, all my chips yep, right there. All in. <laughs> all sure. right there. Um, not saying that, that nothing could happen with real estate, but the, I, I don't think that real estate's a get-rich-quick thing. No, it's a long-term investment. Long-term investment. I think it's one of the smartest investments you could ever make. Sure. So anyways, guys, I hope this was helpful. Uh, if you have any questions, reach out to us. Uh, make sure you follow us at Loans Elevated on all platforms. We're posting stuff every single day. Uh, be sure to uh, like, subscribe, comment. If you have any questions, reach out to us and comment your thoughts on the market and why you should buy in this high rate environment. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. For more industry insights, follow us on all platforms at Loans Elevated. And to get in touch with our team, call or text 801-713-4000 or visit loanselevated.com.